You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. What a great time of season. I just, I'm, I'm just so blessed. I know Pastor Jeff had said a, a lot too, but just about, from the guys that I see through Ken's ministry and how I've got to be friends w- with some of them and just to see how uh, the transformation and the growth is just amazing. And uh, it's a testimony to um, uh, Ken's hard work, but it's also a testimony to the love and faithfulness of Jesus Christ that he is there for everybody in every situation, in every circumstance. When situations and circumstances look the worst, uh, Jesus shows up at his best. And so I'm just blessed to be, just to call some of these gentlemen friends and and be part of their lives. There's a great scripture. Well, there's lots of great scriptures. But there's a great scripture in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, we are saved by grace through faith. And I was reading through that scripture a couple weeks ago. And uh, I said, there's, there's just a connection between grace and faith. They're just hand in hand. It's the grace of God that... That, that we are saved. It's our faith that, that we are saved. And so the connection that I want to get to today is the connection between grace and faith. And when we exercise our faith by getting into the word, declaring God's truth, we always end up at the feet of grace. Think about that. We do. When we go to Jesus with our faith, when we go to him, where do we end up? At the feet of Jesus. He never just gives us the Heisman and, and push us out there. He didn't say, no, I'm going to give you a stiff arm. You're, you're not worthy. He never does that. You end up at the feet of grace. And so our words we speak should lead us into action. Faith-filled words. Faith-filled words. I want you to, if you don't write anything else to, down today, write down that. You can tell I'm dealing with a little cough, so... My words, faith-filled words. Hopefully that comes out properly. Um, faith-filled, words, faith-filled words will get us to the feet of Jesus and his grace will set us free every time. In the Gospels, we see many people who uh, get to the feet of the word, Jesus. Right? It says in John 1.14 that the, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. So when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the word and we're talking about grace. It's the same person. Grace is a person, Jesus Christ. The Word is a person, Jesus Christ. And when we, when we exercise our faith, when we, when we believe, even after salvation, that we believe what Jesus says he can do, we're going to get to the feet of grace every time. And people got transformed in the Bible, did they not? When they did what they did, when they just said, you know what, I just got to get to Jesus... I got nothing else. I'm just going to get to Jesus. Every single one of them was transformed. So I'm going to read something to you here, and I'm going to to go on, and I'm going to finish with the same uh, three lines. If you stay in the Word long enough, it will show you something. If you stick with the Word, it will show you someone, Jesus. And eventually, it will show you in that Word. You've got to find yourself in the Word of God. 
put yourself in the situation and the circumstances that these people that we see and read about in the Bible, that's me. It's just not a good story. And then you put it down and go, that was just so nice. It's like, where do I fit into this story? How do I be part of that story? How do I get set free? How do I get transformed? In Mark 5, it's probably going to spend most of my time today. In Mark 5, there are three stories of some individuals that had some needs and all faced dire situations. But they all believed the word, who is Jesus, and they all spoke out what he could do. And they already knew what he could do. See, that's the great thing about being a Christian. We already know what Jesus has done for us. We already know what he can do. And so when we get to the feet of the Jesus, we're not going there just wondering what's going to happen. We're expecting something great to happen because he's already performed for us. And so that's when I see myself here. I'm battling this cold. I'm like, I'm redeemed. I'm healed. Give me a cough drop, you know? That, but that, some people might say, you're just living in denial, Mark. And I'm like, I'm not living in denial. I'm living in the spiritual reality that I am a set free, redeemed, healed child of the Son of the Most High God. I got symptoms on me, but they have no right to be on me. And I'm standing with Jesus, and I'm going to get to his feet. And so, as we see these people in Mark 5, they are going to be set free. They're great examples of faith meeting grace. It's an amazing thing. I love it. So grace is not a doctrine. It's not a teaching. It's a person, Jesus Christ. And faith will always lead you to grace. Where will fear lead you? Around the mountain again? Into the wilderness? Into doubt and shame and condemnation? Probably back into sin? That's where doubt gets you. Faith? Right to the feet of Jesus. Fear, everything else. Opposite of what Jesus wants for us. So I'm going to read through part of Mark 5, and it starts with this. They came to a, the other side of the sea to the country of Gerasenes, I guess we'll call that. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met a man in the tombs who had, been, who had an unclean spirit. So there we go. There's this problem right there. He lived among the tombs. He lived with dead people. How many people here today have lived a dead life their whole life so far? How many people here have felt like they've lived among the tombs forever? Here, today's a new day for you. Time to come out from the, from the tombs and get born again. And no one could bind him, for he had often been bound with shackles, chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. How many people have ever just ran to Jesus and fell down before him? Do you know what that means? In one scripture in the King James Version, it says he worshiped in. It said basically that he ran. I'm going to do this like this. He fell down prostrate before him. He just laid there. He submitted himself to Jesus. He saw Jesus. He said, I got to get with that guy because he can fix me. He can change me. And he just dove at the feet of Jesus. How many times do we just think about reading the Bible and we're like, that's really good. By his stripes I am healed. That's really good. And we just put it down. 
See, there's something about believing the Word of God, and there's something about acting on the Word of God. When you dive at the feet of Jesus and you lay prostrate and you say, I'm submitting to you, that's faith is going to meet grace every single time. And he ran and he fell down before him. He cried out in a loud voice. And, he, and so you got to understand that demons don't submit to Jesus. So this gentleman, when he lays down at Jesus' feet, when he lays down at Jesus' feet, this is the guy talking. Okay, this is him, the man, the individual who needs to get in Jesus' presence. And then there's this conversation between Jesus and the, and the man. And he says, uh, we have, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God not to torment me. And then I love this in verse 8, it says, for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So even before this guy got to Jesus' feet, Jesus was already speaking over him. So that's what it says. Come out of this unclean spirit. Come out of this man. So Jesus is already interceding on our behalf before we even go to him. Think about that. You just got to get to him. Because when you get to Jesus, you're just coming into agreement with what Jesus is already doing on your behalf. Think about that. You don't have to get there and bang and knock and wonder, is Jesus going to meet me? He's already there interceding on your behalf. We see it right here in the scripture. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly to send him into the country. You know, depending on which old Roman history you read, but the one I read, a legion was 6,000 people. So this guy had 6,000 demons in him. How many people have ever woke up one morning and go, I got at least four or five demons in me. <laughs> this guy's got 6,000. He might need to be set free, right? So anyway, there's this, there's this opportunity for this guy at the tomb, right? He sees Jesus. He can allow the fear and the shame and the guilt. This is a naked, crazy guy at the tomb, right? He's just running around. And he's nuts. And he's breaking stuff. And he can listen to the lies of the enemy and say, we're in control of you. Or he can stand and see Jesus and he says, I want to get to Jesus and be set free. And that's what he chooses to do. It's kind of like Zacchaeus. Remember him in the tree? See about that in Luke 19? Zacchaeus is this tax collector that everybody hates because he steals money from everybody. And he, gets, he wants to see Jesus and he's in this tree. And eventually Jesus comes along and looks up and says, hey, come down. I want to have lunch with you today. And there's this moment in his life that everybody has in their life. Do I climb further in the tree? Do I get away from Jesus? Or do I come down and get in his presence and get set free? This is what this gentleman did too, right? He had a chance to come out of the tomb and get to the feet of Jesus and get set free. Or he could have just slunk back into that tomb and lived his awful life. And he chose to be set free. You see, when you choose to exercise your faith Every single time, you're going to get to the feet of the Jesus, and that's where your faith is going to meet grace every single time. And then I love what it goes on and says uh, in verse 15, and they came to Jesus. These guys were mad. These, there's like, there's 2,000 pigs that he sends these demons into, and they run off the cliff into the water, right? I mean, any, any pig farmers here today? I know we have a few people in our church that are farmers. That would be a big hit to your finances, wouldn't it? Thanks, Jesus. 
Just ran 2,000 pigs off the cliff, right? Well, these people see this, they, and they're so focused on the natural things, they don't see the supernatural miracle that's taken place that this crazy guy that they couldn't subdue has been set free. So they come to, in verse 15, it says, the man who had the legion was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. He's civilized. You go back to Adam and Eve, what's the first thing that caused Adam and Eve to have shame when they sinned? They were naked, right? So apparently this guy was naked, and there was shame with it. But now that Jesus has mended his brain and his heart and everything about him, he's sitting there clothed, and he's civilized, and he's in his right mind. I love that. And they say there's this, and in verse 18 it says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed came and talked to him. Think about that. Not a recovering possessed man, but a man who had been possessed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Old things have passed to we whole way. Behold, all things are brand new. This guy's got a new spirit. He's brand new. Because faith met grace. What does Jesus say to him? Yeah, come along with me. He says, no, you go home and you tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Think about that. There's a guy that nobody could restrain. He was out of control. And Jesus says, I want you to go testify to what God has done for you. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he began to proclaim. So here's the thing. We can believe God's word. Now here's God's word literally spoken over this guy in the moment, right? But we have God's word that he gives us through the Bible, through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's our choice whether we just believe it or we go out and proclaim it. And Jesus tells this guy, go tell everybody. And this guy obeys Jesus and he goes and proclaims the word of God. Does he proclaim how many demons he had? No. Does he proclaim how many chains he had? No. Does he proclaim where he lived? No. Does he declare how naked he was? No. He simply declares, Jesus is Lord. And look what he has done for me. I am healed and I am set free. See, Christians, that's the proclamation, that's the declaration that we should have every single day. Look what the Lord has done for me. Not look what that person did to me or what this family member did to me, or what I'm dealing with all the time, look what the Lord has done for me. He has set me free, and I am free to live my life the way the Lord has set me free to live my life. That's an amazing proclamation. A lot of times we just want to confess, confess, confess all the junk in our life. That may be good for some of us that have to get some things out. I'm not denying that. But let's testify to what the Lord has done in our life. Amen? In verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of this synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell down at his feet. Do you want me to lay on the floor again? Or come out? All right. He came and laid at his feet again. Think about this. Synagogue leader. One of the religious elite, right? One of the people, part of that group that didn't like Jesus. 
They wanted to kill him. But here's one of their guys. Because he, he realized, this is dumb. Why is it dumb? It's because this guy's healing people. And I would be really dumb not to try to help him help me instead of trying to persecute him and deny him. That's what he's saying. Think about it. When you get into a pickle, where do you go? I would go with Jesus every single time. Before I get in the pickle, I'd go with Jesus. But you know what? I'm, I'm just like the rest of us. Sometimes I, I don't learn from my mistakes. And I might make some dumb mistakes or say some stupid things. And then I realize, oh, I got to get back to Jesus. Because if I would have been in, in fellowship a little more, probably wouldn't have done that. That's the great thing about Jesus. That's mercy. You know, my faith meets Jesus' grace every single day too. It's just not something that happened to me 13 years ago when I became a born-again believer. It's a permanent thing. And so seeing me, he fell at his feet, and he said, come. Look, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. He says, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. If there was ever a mic drop line in the Bible, that's it. He declares what he wants to God himself. He doesn't beg and plead and say, but if it's your will, or just maybe if you have some extra time, could you just shine a little light on, on me? He says to her, or she's, he says to Jesus, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. If you want to speak faith-filled words, those are faith-filled words. That's how you speak to Father God. You declare his promises that he's already done for us. And you say, I receive that. And I'm going to walk that out. And you find every scripture that's in the Bible that supports your cause. Because they're in there. They're all over. And then I love it says in verse 24, after this gentleman, Jairus, said, come lay hands on my daughter. He went with them. Grace went with Jairus back to his house to help him out. See, we have that person today inside us through the Holy Spirit. He goes with us all the time. Physically, he walked along side by side with Jairus. Today, inside us. Everywhere where you go, you can't get rid of Jesus. He's all over you. He's in you. If you're a born-again believer. And the crowd followed him. And they thronged him. And get this. you got to love to understand the patient of Jairus, Jairus. Because on the way to his house, something else happens. Right? We meet the third person in this story. It says in verse 26... This woman who had suffered much under many physicians, and she had spent all, the, all she had, and she was no better, and she grew worse. Think about this. Here's a woman in a dire situation, a crippling condition. It's, it's financially draining, and she's sociably unacceptable. You don't have to show me your hands, but is anyone there today? One, two, three, four of those things? Think about this. This lady had been through the ringer for 12 years. She had this issue with blood, and so according to the Old Testament law, she was a social outcast. She could not go into public. She was just like the guy living out in the tombs. But she understands one thing. This Jesus guy is coming around, and if I could just get to him, something good's going to happen to me today. She heard the reports about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, 
If I just touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Isn't it amazing how she says, If I could just get to him and touch his garments. Then she touched his garment, and Jesus said, Who touched my garment? See, Jesus is so specific with this in our lives that he will get down to the most specific detail of your lives. That he, even, he even records it here in the Bible. That it says, who touched my garment? It wasn't who touched me. If she said, if I could just get to Jesus and touch his ear, I guarantee you would have probably would have said, who touched my ear? That's how specific Jesus is. When you get specific with them, he will meet you right in that specific need. That's how Jesus is. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And of course, the disciples in their wisdom, what are you talking about? There's like a million people here, dude. We don't know who it was. And he looks at this lady, and she comes to him, and she says, knowing what had happened, she came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he says the, another great line in the scripture, daughter, faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Man, here's a woman, for 12 years, had been a social outcast. By the law, she could have been punished for what she was doing. She came out in public, and she crawled through the dirt, and she got to the feet of Jesus, and grace met her faith right where she was at, and was totally transformed. 12 years of, there's that cursed woman. 12 years of there she is. In an instant, he calls her daughter of God. That's what he says to her. And then we get the rest of Jairus' story, right? Here's Jairus who's asking Jesus for some help. And on the way to help his daughter, he stops off in the gall of Jesus to perform more miracles. You know, I got, you know, you go to the the bakery or the deli, and you got a number? Like number one. Jairus had number one, right? So supposedly at the deli, if you have number one, no one else gets any service until number one has been served. Well, Jairus has got number one, but of course Jesus is just cruising through the town, and he's going to do what Jesus does, right? So for some of us, maybe we'd be, if we were like normal, we'd be like, come on, dude, my daughter, let's go. I'm first. But Jesus just does what he does. And so anyway... After he heals this woman with the issue of blood, um, where am I at here? There we go. Um, yeah. Guy comes up to him, verse 35. While we was still speaking to this woman, right, having this great conversation about life, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter's dead. So why trouble the teacher any further? So there's this opportunity for Jairus to have a faith moment or a fear moment, right? It doesn't phase Jairus. He just knows he's with Jesus, who is God. He believes that. Keeps his eyes on Jesus. He stands firm. And Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Now, here's one thing I'm going to add to this story. If you're heading out to get your miracle, make sure you're only taking people with you that believe. Leave the naysayers somewhere else. Jesus, can, Jesus introdu uh, 
covers this twice in the scripture. Who believes what I'm believing for? Come on. The rest of you people, you might be mom, dad, sister, brother, other people I know from church. You're staying over here. I'm taking the ones that believe what Jesus said, because he said, don't fear, only believe. So they come to the house, and when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And here's the second thing he does. He put them all outside. Oh, you're so funny, right? You, of little faith, can go wait outside. This is a house of faith, and only those who believe are staying here. Included Jairus's and his wife. He's keeping Jairus because that dude's the guy who had the faith in the first part. He's coming with me, Jesus says. He put them all outside, took the father and the mother and those who were with him, and they went in where the child, and, and he says to this little girl, little girl, I say to you, arise. That's what he says to him. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years old, and they were overcome by amazement. And he said, don't tell anybody about this. See, when we stand on the promises of God, you have to put the unbelief out. That's what he did when he said he put those people out of the room. You got to put the unbelief out of the camp. If people aren't believing what you're believing, they might think you're nuts, they might think you're crazy, but if they're not believing what you're believing, and you're believing for something big, you got to put them out of the camp. You want fear-filled words out of the camp. You want faith-filled words in the camp. Just ask to Joshua and Caleb, right, and the ten spies. Think about that. Go back and read that story. All 12 spies got what they said. Two of them said, hey, we can take this. God already promised us the land. We can take the land. And those two got in, Joshua and Caleb, got to the promised land. The other ten people, this is too hard. We'll never take the land. I'm in fear. And they died in the wilderness. Fear-filled words, faith-filled words. What are you going to speak? You're going to speak faith-filled words, I would hope. And when you catch yourself speaking the fear-filled words, slap yourself in the face and say, stop it. I do it all the time. That doesn't line up with God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't say it. So as we look through the story of Mark, you can see grace and faith coming together. Three stories of people who had faith and believed what Jesus could do, and also importantly, what he already did. How did they, what did the, the woman with the issue of blood, she had heard Jesus healed people. Jairus had heard Jesus had healed, healed people. They were just going to someone that they knew could do the job, Jesus Christ. And he does it every single time that you get to the feet. He'll meet you where you're at. The thing is, do we really take God at his word? Do we just believe that the Bible is true, or do we declare it and speak it? We're telling other people and ourselves it's true. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's actually declaring the word of God. And when you're declaring the word of God into your situation and your circumstance, you're hearing the word of God, and your faith is going to grow. You're going to believe you're just not saying, giving lip service. You believe it. I like what Charles Capps said. So Charles Capps is this old-time preacher, faith preacher, word preacher. I love him. You know, some people get upset with the uh, name it and claim it crowd. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not upset with that kind of preaching. I'm more of a seek it and speak it kind of a guy. Seek it in the Bible, speak it out. That's no different than name and claim it, but anyway, well, I digress. Charles Capps wrote this. Christianity is the great confession, but many Christians who are defeated in life today because they believe and they confess the wrong things. They have spoken the words of the enemy, and those words hold them in bondage. See here, people, we have such powerful thing, the Word of God. We have such powerful thing, salvation, such powerful thing, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. But we also have a powerful thing called our mouth. And if we're not renewing our mind to God's words, we're going to speak out words that don't line up with God's word. They might not be crazy, faith, fear-filled words, but if they're just little bits and pieces of words, they add up. you got to really guard what you're saying about your life and your situation. You really do. And I implore you to speak faith-filled words. They'll put you over. Fear-filled words will defeat you every time. They will. Every single time. And you look back in Mark 5, they were speaking faith-filled words. They didn't have the New Testament like we had, where I can go, well, this is what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. They didn't have that. They just had physically Jesus going, that dude can heal people? I'm going after him. And they laid out prostrate at his feet, and they said, I submit myself to you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. The lady with the issue of blood, I don't care if I get thrown in jail, stoned, beaten, whatever. I'm getting to you. And when I get to you, I'm going to be set free. And she's immediately transformed. Not only is she healed physically, her whole life changes. Think about it. How about the woman at the well? He reads her mail, right? I've been married five times. She's, yeah, yeah, and you're living with your sixth man. And he says, you know what? I'll give you some water that'll set you free. And she says, I believe that. And she goes home, and she's, she gets her whole town. And they come back, and, they, and she tells them the story of Jesus, right? And they come back to the well, and they say, we believe now, not only because you told us, because of what he says, too. You know what's the greatest? This is, you know me, I've preached here a few times. The greatest part of the woman at the well is, the story, she left her bucket. When she ran back to, to town, she left her bucket there. The only reason she was there was to get water. And she realized, this is dumb. I'm going back to tell everybody else about Jesus. Because she had been totally transformed. We need to declare our faith. Our faith grows strong, strong when we ourselves proclaim God's promises. Hebrews 4.12 says this. This is my last scripture. Talks about a double-edged sword that cuts through all the junk in the world and gets down to the heart of the matter, right? Hebrews 4.12, you guys familiar with that scripture? Think about this. A double-edged sword. Two edges. God is one edge, and we are the other edge. God's already said it and spoke it, and we come alongside, and we declare it, and we speak it. There's your two-edged sword. Boom. Cutting right through it. God's word will do nothing for you unless you declare it and speak it over your life, over your situation, over your family, over your sickness, over your circumstance. God's word is the greatest thing that ever came, ever. But it does us no good if we don't speak it and declare it. That's what he's saying. A double-edged sword. And it cuts right through to the marrow of everything. Declaring God's word over a situation. 
We proclaimed Jesus as Lord of our life, did we not? That's our declaration. So let's keep declaring Jesus as Lord over our entire life for the rest of our life. Every situation in our life, let's declare Jesus. Let's declare the word. Let's speak faith-filled words. And the last thing I'm going to say is this. And I'm going to invite you if you want prayer today. I don't want you to be shy today. If you've got prayer for anything today, you just come up. There'll be people up here, but you can just start coming up now if you want prayer. Just come up and stand here. Someone will lay their hands on you. They will pray in agreement with you. You don't have to tell us what it is. If you want to share with somebody, you share. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, there'll be someone up here that can lead you into that salvation. Simply believing what Jesus has already done. So I'm going to finish with this. If you stay in the word long enough, it will show you something. If you stick with it, the word will show you someone, Jesus. And eventually, it will show you in it. You will see yourself in the scripture. Do you see yourself as the woman with the issue of blood? Do you see yourself as that religious zealot that's always growing up that you're with this holier-than-thou attitude? I have had that attitude. That's like Jairus. I'm going to put away my religious holier-than-thou attitude. I'm just going to submit to Jesus. I'll invite the worship team up. And if you want to take communion today, we did a little different on the first Sunday. You can come up and you can take communion. We take the cracker here at Praise Community Church. We dip it in the juice. We take by intention. The only prerequisite to take communion here at Praise Community Church is that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The rest of us, we're all in the same boat with you. Amen? So if you want prayer today, I encourage you to come up, have these great people that are here today pray for you, and allow them to help you get set free. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.